0: What is up, everybody? Matt Perino here, the Shop Buffalo Bills football podcast live. A special uh, time, 1245 on a Tuesday. We have some news, and as I told you, we're going to we're gonna react in real time whenever we can. Ryan Talbot can't get in today, so I went to the bullpen and I brought in the lefty. Actually, are you a lefty? Sal Capaccio? Sure, You're a lefty sure. on the golf course, but I don't know about it on the bas- baseball. Uh, lefty
1: lefty hitter. Lefty in any time I swing a stick, it's from the left side, but I am right-handed.
0: Okay. WGR 550, Sal Capaccio. Everybody knows Sal. Uh, Get him in here to react to the news. The Bills, uh, it wasn't looking pretty good, and I guess we could say that for uh, a couple of the players that they've re-signed over the last two weeks, that they'd be able to bring back Isaiah McKenzie, who was uh, garnering some interest on the free agent market. A report from ESPN's Jeremy Follower this past weekend was that the Chicago Bears were interested. Lo and behold, though, Tuesday comes around. Isaiah McKenzie has announced through his agency that he is coming back, uh, re-sign with the Bills. We don't have the details yet. We'll kind of keep uh, tabs as, you know, maybe a report comes out on that or maybe the team uh, makes an official announcement. But let's start with first reaction because I think this is a very important move for a multitude of reasons. What are your your first thoughts yourself?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, it's been a clear strategy here by Brandon Mean, first and foremost, that, um, you know, Going into this offseason, they said, We're gonna resign our own. We're gonna ha- adhere to our own philosophy. Draft, develop, resign. That's what they've tried to do. You could definitely, you know, make arguments that they should go out and spend here, spend there, try to get different players, but they felt their best course of action this particular offseason was to make sure that they kept their band intact to you know, keep the guys like Matt Milano, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams, and now of course Isaiah McKenzie on top of a couple others. So um, that's one thing that from an organizational standpoint. And from a roster, from a team standpoint on the field, I mean, Isaiah could very much fill a void here left by Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts has gone to Houston, and we all, we've all seen that Isaiah can be a very capable return man. He's had a little bit of ball security issues in the past, but he's a super versatile player that fits into this offense that they need. I think he's a really important player that they need. He's the kind of guy – what I've often said, Matt, interestingly enough, I've said – this offseason what the Bills need is Isaiah McKenzie with a turbo button. He's the perfect player if they can get somebody even more faster and quick twitch than him. Not saying he's slow, he's not, but they they need that. They need mm-hmm. a guy like him and he he's the guy. What I
0: really like most about this signing is it keeps the band around Josh Allen together. You saw the success that they were able to have last season and I think a big part of that was the continuity that was built within this offense with Brian Dable understanding what he is asking you to do and then going out there and execute it. This has been kind of like a slow burn with Isaiah McKenzie. They brought him over here. There wasn't a lot of super opportunity at the start when they plucked him off Denver's practice squad, but they developed him. And then, you know, training camp after training camp, he stuck around and found a way to to make plays. And I think that what this says to me is the Bills want to make sure that they do their best to, to what Sean McDermott said last week, keep their fastball, make sure that the, the, the passing game is intact. And I think when you do decide to add, when you do decide to bring in new players, if it's not in the draft, if it's in free agency, it's a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who is going to come in here. He fits all of those kind of key parts that you're looking for in one of your top wide receivers, the elusivity, the, the, the ability to separate and the experience he comes in with so much experience, bringing back an Isaiah McKenzie to your point, You can handle some of the uh, special teams duties that were left behind by Andre Roberts, but in a pinch, whether it be the gadget guy or the slot receiver, if Cole Beasley gets hurt, you have that now in Isaiah
1: McKenzie. Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, he does, he fits the offense really well. And the other part they need, which is, you know, an extra guy to be able to trot out there in that four wide receiver set, or even three wide receiver set. I mean, Isaiah's played a nice role in the offense. You know, you don't want to diminish that at all. And you know, I was looking back a little bit. The Bills acquired him off of waivers from the Denver Broncos back in November of 2018. It was really just a, a punt returner. I think he had some ball security issues there, which is why they eventually moved on from him. They, they claim him in 2018. He gets a little bit of opportunity to return some stuff. He sees the field a little bit. He goes into 2019. He becomes a little bit more of a regular player, but then 2020 is when they decided, hey, you know, we have this guy that we can use in a number of ways. And I think as the season went on, I really think we as fans saw and Brian Dable realized that they could use his talents in a number of different ways to enhance the offense in ways that they need it. So I think that's a big key of what you said to put him on the field, find a way for him to fit in, to get the ball. And sure, they're an injury away from Isaiah McKenzie having to play. You know what? You could do a lot worse than that. Isaiah McKenzie can play in this league. And it's really interesting. You brought up the Emmanuel Sanders and the experience thing. I think Matt, it's, it's important this year, I think for the bills because they saw last year what COVID meant and what you know, not having that full offseason meant that if they're going to bring anybody in, I think they want guys who their experience and they don't have to worry about them catching up on a playbook, so to speak, right? So mm-hmm. a, that's their own guys. And B, it's a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. You say, Hey, you know what? We don't know what the offseason looks like. Are we going to have a, a full training camp? Are we going to have a lot of OTAs? You got to bring in guys that you trust that can get up to speed a little bit quicker than what the average player might be able to do.
0: You've also now gone giving yourself the ability to go into the draft with your entire offense intact. There's no need necessarily. Do you want to improve your offense? Of course. If there's a player that's sticking out on the board, of course, you're going to pull the trigger there if it makes sense. But you've at least set things up to go into next season and be like, okay, we can really – kind of pinpoint where we want to attack in the draft and we could take a swing and, and it's been Brandon beans, MO. Don't get me wrong. Like th- this is something that he's done year after year. He's tried to make sure that the talent is there in free agency on the roster. So we can go into the draft and pick best player available. Um, and we'll talk more about the draft in a second, but one thing I want to bring up, I was listening to Carson Wentz. Uh, he appeared on the the Pat McAfee show and started talking about all the things that have gone wrong for him. And I think that it's such an interesting Um, kind of case study, putting Josh Allen's development next to Carson Wentz's development and how the, the two situations have been so drastically different. I'm looking at Indianapolis right now, Sal, and the weapons around, uh, Carson Wentz. Listen, I like Jonathan Taylor. They re-signed Marlon Mack. They have talent in the backfield. But the receiver position, you're looking at Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. And if you take those two players and put them up against the absolute murderer's row now that the Bills have in their wide receiver room, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, again, are showing the league how you put talent around young quarterbacks and then keep that talent
1: around the quarterback. That's right. Um, they, they they had a plan for Josh Allen when they drafted him in 2018. And it was an individual plan and it was a surrounding construction plan, right? They had two different types of plans for him and they had to marry each other. It was a, we got to get this kid to develop. How are we going to do that? You know, what kind of reps we're we going to give him now? He played earlier than what they wanted. We all know that, but they stuck to kind of the plan of building him as a franchise quarterback, as a quarterback, as a player on and off the field, film room, all the different things that went into that. But the other piece of that was we're going to bring in parts for him. We're going to help him out. We're going to give him guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley, who suddenly boom, they allow him to take that next step. And then the next year, they trade for Stefan Diggs, which really was, I think, the, the the biggest one yet, obviously, where they finally put them over the top. Then you add on a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. You're putting in, you're sprinkling in the offense a guy like Isaiah McKenzie. And let's not forget Brian Dable's hand in this, which is we're going to use all these guys. We're going to run 10 personnel. We're going to run four wide receivers, three wide receivers, right? And you're right. If you don't see that a lot around the NFL because teams – they change their plans a little too often. They veer here, they veer there. They think, oh, what? Maybe we need this now. Maybe we need that now. I think what the bill should get a lot of credit for here is sticking with their plan that they had from the beginning. Now, granted, sometimes you have to change. I totally get it. It reminds me of, and I said this on the radio the other day, and I tweeted it out. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but I, I took a class and a course called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's actually it's really popular. It's by a, a guy called Stephen Covey. And in this, in the Seven Habits, the second habit is called begin with the end in mind. And I Mm -hmm. often think about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean for this, which is they began in 2017 with the end in mind. And they they had, they said, here's our beginning a, our end is Z. How do we get there? Where's the straightest line? And they've really taken those incremental steps to get there. And I think part of that is what we see today, bringing back a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, which is basically just keep resigning your players after you develop them and fit them in.
0: Sean McDermott was, pretty outspoken about what they were losing in, in making the decision to go away from Matt Barkley and to Mitchell Trubisky and what they were losing in the room. And, it, and it's, it's more than just about Josh Allen. Like, of course, Matt Barkley's had a big impact there, but you know, there's that veteran driven leadership in the locker room that Sean McDermott has leaned on over the years. And I think that a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, to me, this, that's a part of the thinking again, when you may do a little bit more work to try to bring a guy like that back, not just because of what he brings from a playing perspective and that he's well liked in the room, but he's like a glue guy in the room. Yeah. He yeah. kind of bounces around locker to locker when we've been able to be, be to have been in there before COVID. Everybody likes him. You see Stefan Diggs joking with him on social media. This is a guy that means a lot in the in the room, and I think that you you overextend yourself in these situations to bring
1: those kinds of guys back. Yeah, that's right. It's a good point. Um, he is. He's the energizer bunny in a lot of ways, right? I mean, he's always having fun, running around, being a jokester, things like that. But every pl- every team, I think, needs a guy or two like that to keep everyone loose all the time, to to show that, like, hey, I'm out here having fun. This is a kid's game. And I'm going to play like a kid. And he is. And, of course, he's super serious and professional because that's his job. But you're right about that. He is one of those glue guys. He's a guy that whose personality everybody just loves and gravitates to in the locker room. So, you know, this is a this is a good deal to have him back in in this in this group with this group for this team. I we haven't had official confirmation from the team yet, by the way. Um I'm assuming, I don't know, it'll be another one year deal for Isaiah. Remember what happened last year? Isaiah was a restricted free agent. They did not tender him. Mm-hmm. He became an unrestricted free agent and he came back to Buffalo. You know, Matt, I've often thought they could lose Isaiah not because the Bills don't want him. I thought maybe Isaiah wanted a bigger role. Maybe mm-hmm. he wanted more money. Maybe he wanted to go somewhere else. Maybe that's what was going on with the Chicago report, right? But at the end of the day, I think Isaiah McKenzie also knows how special it is to be in Buffalo and how special it is to be with Josh Allen as his quarterback.
0: And I think he might also know that this might not be the offseason to really cash in in that kind of deal. There's going to be so much money floating around If not next season, definitely two off seasons from now. And to come back in a situation where you know that you'll continue to be, you know, an afterthought because of the talent that's in this offense. Defenses are not scheming to stop Isaiah McKenzie. So you're going to continue to probably fulfill the role that you've had. So I think that that's a a big piece of it too. Let me ask you this. You know, you were obviously, uh, you held Pat in in your stance of the importance of Andre Roberts over the last couple of years. His team, as fans have wanted to, you know, often cut him at uh you know, roster cutdown day going into the season. And he's proven, you know, two pro bowl years with the bills, he goes on to the Houston Texans. And you mentioned this could now mean that Isaiah McKenzie, who had that punt return touchdown in the Miami game, he could maybe assume that role. How big of a drop off though, is there though? And how much of a concern is that? Because this is a team that starting field position was among the tops in the league last year.
1: Yeah. You know, kick returning isn't as big of a deal. You can get a special kick return once in a while. And you know what? We saw Andre Roberts have a few that really enabled the Bills to have some really nice field position. But with an offense like this, it's not as critical, obviously. I think that when Andre Roberts is on a team where the offense will struggle a little bit more like a couple years ago, it's a little bit more important. Not as much so. But punt returning it is. And, And I try to impress this upon people. You have to look beyond the stats. Andre Roberts, for example, it's not just that he's a really good punt returner with the ball in his hands and catching it. It's the effect he has in the defense and the offense punting to him. Mm -hmm. They know he's there. They directional kick. They kick away from him. They don't want him to return it. He catches balls that a lot of guys wouldn't catch that then would bounce 20 yards the other way. So he's gaining you field position because of that. You know, I don't think Isaiah McKenzie is quite that, but Isaiah is dynamic in his return ability. So so I am going to wonder, and I'm not going to, as I sit here right now, I would pencil Isaiah McKenzie in as the Bill's main return man. I'm not so sure that changes if we don't get to September and they don't have somebody, maybe they draft somebody, somebody else comes aboard and Isaiah stays as he is. And he has been, which is a versatile wide receiver who can also kick and punt return. But as much as he can be dynamic with the ball in his hands as a return man, I wouldn't say it's for certain that he goes into next season as that guy with Andre Roberts. That's what he was. He wasn't really going to help you in the, with offense. You, you had Andre Roberts on your team specifically for that reason.
0: Looking ahead to, you know, next month's draft, um, starting to get really prepared for, you know, the different players that are going to probably be on the Bills radar in that, you know, 30-30 range. What is this kind of move? And just overall, the moves that they've done, how does this shape the draft for you in terms of how the Bills will approach this? Because we do know that Brandon Bean is, you know, he sticks to his guns in a lot of ways. And that best player available, as much as it's a cliche, it's one that's really been successful for him dating back to his Carolina days. But is this a situation with the fact that they haven't really addressed, addressed two spots on the defense that, you know, I think fans were hoping for more actions at cornerback and edge rusher. Is that something that where if one of those edge rushers that you have a high grade on, or one of those cornerbacks that you have a high grade on, it might be worth moving up as crazy as that might sound because of how close this Bills team is and the window that seems to be wide open, and we'll talk about the Chiefs in a second. I gotta, I gotta take on what I think all of this has done to to
1: keep pace with the Chiefs. I'm not against moving up if you have a guy rated that highly, um, because of exactly what you said. I mean, this team is so close. If you can fill a couple of spots here or there with players that you need, players that you feel really can make a difference on your team right now, yes, you still have to keep the long term in mind. But Matt, I mean. I went through it the other day and I, I posted a chart I mean, this, this core bills team is locked up for a couple more years. It's, isn't just one year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. next year, the only real free agents they have now, I'm assuming they're going to pick up Josh's fifth year. You know, he's, he's not going anywhere, but even Tremaine Edmonds, I'll assume that right now he could be a free agent, but it's Jerry Hughes it's Taron Johnson. There's a few other guys they've signed here, or there, that's it. Everybody else locked up for years. Um, So I think they're in a position now where they don't have to necessarily keep the cupboard super full Thinking about that in the draft, they can think about what do we need right now. What gets us to the Chiefs? What gets us over the top? And if they feel it's that guy, that's great. And the added bonus is, you talk about corner. If they can draft a guy that they really feel confident in and put him opposite Tre'Davious White and pay him a rookie contract for the next four years, that completely offsets the money you're giving Tre'Davious and really makes it so affordable at the position. And teams just don't want to spend a ton of money on one particular position between a bunch of guys when you could spread it around the roster.
0: Yeah, I think this is a spot where Brandon Bean, who's been very responsible in free agency and has obviously gotten kudos around the league with the way that he's kept this team together, where he can get a little bit aggressive in the draft and maybe even with future draft capital, which he's shown that it given the right spot, he's willing to, you know, maybe You know, give up some picks that normally you'd think you'd want to hang on to because, you know, this team is in a really good spot. And one of the big topics that's come up this offseason, you know, as soon as the Kansas City game ended and Monday morning came around and the, the, the conversation was all about what do the Bills have to do to catch the Chiefs? And one thing that I'm just really sitting back and wondering is how much do the Bills have to catch the Chiefs compared to the fact that the Chiefs might be falling on their own a little bit here. I mean, you're talking about those two tackles, which that's huge losses. We saw what that meant. Even just Mitchell Schwartz was already out. Just losing Eric Fisher from the AFC title game to the Super Bowl. We saw what that defensive line was able to do for Tampa. Completely changed the complexion of the game. That's number one. Number two, I know he's hurt a lot. Sammy Watkins likely not going to be back. They were were trying to bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. That didn't work out. Their defense is going to be a year older. Chris Jones is going to be a year older. They're bringing in Melvin Ingram for for a visit on Wednesday. I'd be interested to see what that looks like if he signs. But I don't necessarily know if it's the question should be how much they do have to do to catch the Chiefs. I think it's more about how do you sustain the young roster that you have and, and just reload and be more prepared emotionally, mentally for that moment if it comes again.
1: And as the Chiefs, as we saw with the Patriots, as the Chiefs maybe fall back to you a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Because the difference is, obviously, they have Patrick Mahomes still. And no matter what, it's, it's the same thing we've talked about with the you know Patriots for so many years, which is as much as the there's erosion around the roster and you could pick out holes here or there, if you have a GOAT QB, he covers up for a lot of that, right? So I think, though, you're right that the Chiefs roster on paper, thinking about 2021 – doesn't maybe compare to or look like it was in 2020, or at least you feel like there might be a little bit of erosion there, a little bit of a step back, but I think Patrick Mahomes is so good. And if he stays healthy, he probably makes up for that. But again, I'm going to go back to the bills learned a lot last year through a COVID off season. We saw this defense not play that well, Matt, for the first six weeks, really, mm-hmm. it took them a good, it took them a good training camp plus preseason to actually be where they were supposed to be. So you take that now into this year and say, okay, how do we make sure that doesn't happen Well, we resign our own guys, whether that's offense or defense? Yeah. We, we had to make some tweaks here or there, but Matt Milano comes back and Daryl Williams come back and John Feliciano comes back. You don't want to go into another, another season where you're relearning a system to new guys on the O line or the D line, you know, star comes in and that's going to help a lot, but he already knows this system. So I think that's one of the things the bills really were cognizant of. And to your chief's point, they're going to have a few new offensive linemen this year. So they're going to have to, make sure they gel in front of Patrick Mahomes quick quick enough given that situation. And finally, before I let
0: you get out of here, um, now we look ahead to the next wave here, and we're kind of in the midst of that second wave, and you know, I think the third wave could be even um, more bulky than usual. I mean, we're talking sitting here, I, I think in a normal offseason, Richard Sherman's off the market already. Some of the big-time players that are out there are already off the market. What are you kind of eyeing down? We've been talking about some potential bargain type of deals. What kind of stands out to you? maybe on the defensive side of the ball or wherever in terms of where the bills might try to, you know, get a bargain in free agency here before the draft.
1: Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be a bargain left to edge rusher, but you know, it's still an area of need. I think it's still their biggest area. I think edge rusher is still their biggest area of need. And you know, if there's something out there that they can bring in, I'm just not sure it's going to be something that moves the needle so much. Um, Ingram is still out there. Dunlap's still out there. Now you can go and try and sign these guys. I don't think you're getting them for a bargain basement price. <clears throat> but yeah. you never know. I mean, Ingram had an injury, so we'll see. Uh, we don't know what Dunlap is asking for. I, I like Carlos Dunlap a lot. I think he can still play, by the way. I mean, he's been really productive in his career, even went, you know, in between two teams last year. You know, he had a nice season. So I think that's their number one need. Um, but you never know how Brandon Bean tries to find his way to that. You know, he traded for Stefan Diggs last year. Is there a trade somewhere out there? It's something we're not thinking of. I think that's a, a, a way to go. But as of right now, this roster, I'm just looking at it. Overall, Matt, I mean, they can really go into the draft and, you know, do best available player. Do they even need seven picks? I mean, are there seven rookies coming in and making this roster, right? They can use those picks to move around the board and move up as you suggested earlier. I mean, this is another really good roster heading into 2021.
0: Um, w- for everybody watching on YouTube, thank you. Uh, hit that like button on the video, smash that subscribe button. So you always get all of our videos when they go live, you get the notification. So let everybody know where they can find you. You're always all over the place
1: yeah I'm at w g r five fifty uh, I'm on w g r five fifty I should say and i've been I've been filling in all week on the morning show for howard Simon we had you on a monday mm. uh that's because jeremy and his lovely wife Molly uh had their twins, which is awesome uh so you know i'll I'll get the word later this week if I'm in for another week Jer- for jeremy but either way, you know you can find me there of course um Twitter at sell sports no doubt I'm gonna go and kind of look at some bill stuff here on the roster tweet out a few things here as we um as we at, right after we get off the air here because I'm looking right now i mean Matt, their wide receiver room is stacked. It is again. <laughs> stacked. Diggs, Beasley, Davis, Sanders, McKenzie, Jay Kumaro, Duke Williams, Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, uh, this this receiver group, I would put their top, what, four or five mm-hmm. against any four or five in the league right now.
0: 100%. And listen, the rich get richer sometimes, but they're doing it the right way. I, I really think that this is a smart... Uh, approach by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to keep talent around Josh Allen as much as you can add talent I think we talked a plenty about Emmanuel Sanders and my thoughts on him all right he sells sells sports on Twitter find him there I'm at Matt Perino uh for Mr. Capaccio thank you sir uh we'll see you next time we'll be back tomorrow night Stay Anytime, here,